So hello, everyone. This is Mike Grandinetti bringing you this episode of the Disruptive Innovation Podcast. It's my pleasure today to welcome Caroline Winnett, who is the Executive Director of the Berkeley Skydeck. I've been hearing rave reviews about the Skydeck for quite some time, and it's a privilege to finally have a chance to talk to Caroline and find out what it's all about. This episode is part of a three-part series that started with episode 14, where I explored some recent research that came out of MIT and Northwestern Kellogg about the ideal age of founders. Uh, The follow-on episode, which was released last week, happens to cover the state of entrepreneurial education at top universities and graduate schools of business around the world. And today I'm going to dig into two very successful co-curricular experiences, uh, one at UCAL Berkeley, and we're going to have Caroline help us with that, and then with Hai Young Park, who is an entrepreneur who is working out of the Babson Entrepreneurship Tower at Babson College. So, Carolyn, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, would you be so kind as to just set the stage for us and describe the Berkeley Sky Deck Accelerator and Incubator and what you believe distinguishes it from other programs, similar types of programs at universities like Stanford and Wharton, et cetera? Sure, happy to do that uh, because Berkeley Sky Deck is quite different. In fact, we haven't seen anything quite like it. And and the reason for that is that many universities have uh, partner accelerators, uh, have have programs that are run by, by other entities, or they have programs themselves uh, that aren't so much a formal acceleration program. Uh, but we do that at Berkeley. We do that ourselves in that we have a a program of acceleration that has all of the things you would expect from a Silicon Valley accelerator. We have mentorship and we have a very active program to move the startups very quickly from, from point A when they arrive to point B and point B being a formal demo day where they present to professional investors to raise a seed round. Uh, and our demo day is, I, I believe, the largest one uh, that I know of in the Bay Area with, with about 600 investors at the last one. So that's what's unique about Berkeley Skydeck in that UC Berkeley has decided to, to take on uh, the, this role of running an accelerator ourselves. And uh, that distinguishes us and also makes it very unique in that this program can leverage very easily all of the resources at UC Berkeley, talent, labs, and of course, most importantly, our wonderful alumni. That's great. And we're going to dig in pretty deeply to a lot of the the elements of the program. But first, I want our listeners to get to know a little bit more about you. And Caroline, as I prepared for this episode and I checked out your background, uh, it, I'm just fascinated by your um, multidisciplinary career. So here you are, you studied violin performance at University of Indiana. You performed as a musician in a, a Baroque orchestra and choral group for over four years. And then you decided to go back to Berkeley to Haas yourself and get an MBA and then graduated into publishing and then executive roles in startups. And, and somewhere along the line, I think the startup bug kicked in. And I'd love to just, if you could help our listeners understand that really fascinating journey that you've taken to this point. You know, it was, it was fascinating to me as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the startup bug was always there. Yeah. I was born with it and it and I often thought about you know when I was a young a young girl growing up 
and running a business. That that was kind of my fantasy world that, that you know that I would someday inhabit. And then I ended up taking up the violin and having such extraordinary teachers and having such an extraordinary experience that I d- decided to do halfway through college. I actually started out at Brown University. Yeah. Uh, doing sort of a general general curriculum, I decided I would take a year to really pursue and, and practice the violin day in and day out, which I love so much. But it ended up that the program I was at at Indiana University was so outstanding and so incredible, surrounded by such amazing musicians. Plus, it was at a full university. I, I ended up graduating from there and playing for a few years while I sort of decided, what, you know, how how would I then get into business, you know, make that, you know, very sharp uh, turn from professional musician to to business person. And so I applied to UC Berkeley, and I was very fortunate. They took a chance on a a violinist with almost no business experience um, and accepted me to the program. And, uh, you know, everything sort of came from that. So. So I'm incredibly grateful to Berkeley for for giving that young musician a chance to become a businesswoman. Wow! Uh, back in, back then, and and now here I am, uh, serving UC Berkeley through through what I do every day. I love it. And just knowing how crazy your life must be, do you still have time to play the violin? I make time. Good for you. That's and great. Not not as much as I would like. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm trying to trying to practice most days. I don't always succeed, but. But it is such an important part for who I am, yeah. And and it brings me such joy that 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 I keep it up. I love it. And I actually just recently I've been thinking about the fact that I know that my training as a musician was extremely valuable for me, and actually was very core to my ability to be a successful startup founder. And yeah. I've known that for for my whole life, but I had never really written it down. Yeah. So I just recently decided I would do that, and I published an article uh, actually listing out the things that that I learned in my, my music training, starting the, the violin at age six, when you sound really horrible, um, to, you know, getting to a point where I could play without sounding horrible, and then and then going on to be professional. And actually, it's very relevant. Yeah. And, and so one yeah. of the things that I that I tell people all the time who are looking for startup talent is don't look at the background that they bring to the startup. Look at how hard they worked and what they accomplished in that background. That's more indicative of their potential as a startup founder. Absolutely. And and I think that creative gene that has you select a path of musicianship also is something to be taken into account. So I've had the chance to mentor a lot of students at a different Berkeley, the Berkeley College of Music here in Boston. In fact, we're in a studio right now where almost every employee here, our great audio engineer, Justin, uh, they're all Berkeley grads. And, um, you know, so they had a program there called the Institute for Creative Entrepreneurship. And I was privileged enough to get to work with a lot of these young students that had been maybe studying music performance, but decided they wanted to maybe take in a different direction. And I have to tell you, it was just, they were naturally inclined for this. It was a, Mm -hmm. it's a remarkably interesting group. Well, that is cool. So now let's, let's fast forward. So you now show up um, in November, 2014, five years ago um, to become the executive director of the Berkeley Sky Deck at that time. What was the status of the organization? What, what did you inherit as you started your tenure? over that, you know, at that point in time? I inherited a program with extraordinary potential. 
Yeah. So when Berkeley set up Skydeck, which is which is before before I came on the scene, um, they set it up really for a for its best shot at success. So they did a couple of things really right. Um, the, the original founding board of Skydeck, uh, they they made the board of directors campus leadership. So it was a joint program of the Office of Research, the business school, and the College of Engineering, so that it wouldn't be you know, put in one school or one department. It was right. really intended to be campus-wide. And that was so quite that. important. I mean, I've seen so many siloed competing entrepreneurial initiatives on campuses that uh, obviously starting out with the right vision. It's great. Exactly. And then they they put it in this extraordinary space. So uh, if you're ever in, in, in Berkeley, please come and see our penthouse floor, top floor, of the tallest building in downtown Berkeley, 360 degree views of the campus, north, south, east. Um, our startups have a have a, a daily view from their their chairs of the Golden Gate Bridge. It really is wow. extraordinary, and you know that literally elevated entrepreneurship at yep. UC Berkeley. And then the, uh, the campus fully funded it in its first years, so that it's, so that the the program could have a chance to get it legs going and, and get a program going. And so they set it up for success. Uh, but what it, it needed was just a push towards all the potential. And so that's what we did when I joined. And uh, we built the advisory board. That's our volunteers who helped the startups. We set up batches, you know, an accelerator program. We set up a method and we started to tell the story of, of Berkeley innovation and Berkeley talent. And we found that story to be very resonant, that, that when we said, hey, there's a lot of startup talent at UC Berkeley, people said, well, of course there is. And, you know, how can, how can we join this, this great effort? That's great. And I know you've got, you know, half a million alumni in the Bay Area to draw upon. And we're going to get into a lot of these, these sort of strengths that you were able to harness. But when you think about maybe two or three of the key milestones from day one till now that you think really help you distinguish the program and, and you know, allow it to be the, the well-regarded program, the award-winning program that it clearly is, what would those be? So I would say the, a couple of things happened along the way. Um, first of all, we, we defined ourselves as, as an accelerator and took on, you know, as I mentioned when, when we began this conversation, we took on acceleration. We didn't just say, okay, we'll sort of incubate and have some companies hang around, which many universities do to very good effect. Um, but we wanted to take that extra step towards acceleration. So we did that. And then we, we came up with a method, you know, how, how are we accelerating? And so I worked with, uh, based on my own experience as a startup founder and, and a group of advisors who were, they themselves had been startup founders and said, okay, what do you need to know if you're a startup, right? What, what are the key areas that we must teach and coach these startups on? Then we started expanding the program and, and bringing on more, more advisors and volunteers. Uh, these are we call them Sky Advisors, and they they provide guidance and expertise uh, to our our young companies. And started growing that. For, it was about a dozen when I started, and now we have over 250. And then we needed to to fund ourselves because as a program of UC Berkeley that does not teach students, we have to raise our own funds. Right? We don't yep. use tuition money here at Berkeley. Right. Um, so we started a partner program and started raising our own funds and that went really well. So we became self-funded just, just, just recently. And so that's a huge milestone. And then the real game changer was the launch of our dedicated venture fund. 
Yeah. So to give you context on how creative we've had to be and how different this program is, UC Berkeley as a public institution uh, can do many, many things, but one of the things it cannot do is set up a venture capital seed fund. Right. So in order to fund the startups here, we had to come up with a creative solution. So we decided to find a fund manager to launch a dedicated venture fund. So we found this fantastic uh, Berkeley alum, of course, uh, who was an experienced fund manager, an experienced entrepreneur and investor himself to launch a dedicated venture fund. And when we first started uh, the Berkeley Skydeck Fund, we thought it would be a very small fund, you know, maybe $10 million. We'd ask some 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 Cal alums to, to put up some money to invest in these companies. But we very quickly grew the fund to almost $25 million, closed it within six months, which is extremely rapid for a fund one. And it's uh, private venture capital. So the investors are top-tier VCs like Sequoia Capital. And we started investing in January of 2018. And with the launch of that fund, the number of applications jumped, the interest in the program jumped, because, of yep. course, if you can come to this great program and tap into UC Berkeley resources and talent and help be part of the Berkeley mission to discover great things, uh, that's that's great. But if you add a check for $100,000 for my startup, yeah. um, that takes it to a whole other level. And here's what's really extraordinary about about our partnership with the fund. And And again, I don't know if this exists anywhere else. I have not heard of this. Our public institution, UC Berkeley, has a partnership with the Berkeley Skydeck Fund, and the the fund invests in all the startups here, and and does all these great things. But most importantly, the fund is sharing, per our agreement, half of the management profits of that fund with the campus. Yep. So we are in, we are co-equal partners in the in this journey of finding great startups, and we we will both benefit. So. We have found ourselves uh, inadvertently creating a new model for funding education that yeah. no one else has done before. So we're really excited about that, and and really excited to see just how far we can go with it. And I love it, and and it's it's clearly such a distinction, right? And and I think on your website you talk about how you know where else but Berkeley does one question the status quo? Then mm-hmm. and, and so I, I can only imagine as a guy that's had one foot in entrepreneurship and one foot in academics for the last 20 plus years and see how challenging it is, especially at the state university level, right, to do some mm-hmm. of these more audacious things, um, you know, what it took to make this happen. But mm-hmm. as you said, right, when you when you bring in the Sequoias and the Mayfields and some of your other partners, right, that, that, that's Silicon Valley royalty. And it, it just, mm-hmm. it's a clarion call, right? There are people willing to go down to Chile for many months for a, a, a much smaller check than that. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, now you're in this extraordinary ecosystem with this extraordinary group of, of investor partners. And and so obviously as you scale, right? Because as, as I read, you know, your, your very early days, you had roughly 20 companies in and now you're at 140 and growing. So mm-hmm. as you've scaled, I'm sure that there have been uh, changes in the acceptance criteria, um, probably more rigorous because you're more, more well-known. It gets more competitive. What have you learned along the way as you've scaled this program so dramatically? So, yes, we have become uh, more rigorous. The, the acceptance rate has dropped precipitously. 
to, to a very a very low uh, single digit number. And uh, so along the way, I think we've learned many things that, that all of these early stage investors learn. It's, it's really as much of an art as a science of, of picking a startup at the very early stage where there really isn't much to go on in terms of a customer or traction or you know revenue metrics and all those things that you can look at at a later stage. So you really have to make a determination. Is this is this the team that, that is tackling a problem that has a big potential? And if so, can we help them? Can our program help them? Are we uniquely suited to do that? And I think we've learned a lot about what what's most interesting as being in charge of this program. You know, what makes us unique is being part of Berkeley yeah. and not a separate entity that just hangs out next to Berkeley and, and does good things, but we are a Berkeley program. So so we're very mission-driven in a way that, that is very unique to a, a public mission of public education that really is, you know, what we ultimately serve is the UC Berkeley mission of public education. And and weaving that into what we do here is, is, is so interesting and, and so compelling that, uh, you know, the more, the more that we grow and and develop that identity i think the more interesting it becomes to everybody and it's it's about you know on on one side the you know the revenues that will come into campus from the the fund returns you know as these as our fund uh brings in money to campus which will be great and then we can you know start funding education programs on campus yeah but the other side of that is that we're providing opportunities and excitement uh, for people on campus or our alumni to really dream big uh, and to think, you know, I have a discovery or I have a technology or I have an idea and maybe this really could change the world. I will, I will go to Skydeck and, and, and see if I can make that happen. Yeah. And I think we've learned, you know, more and more how, how to grow this unique program that is part of a university um, and can benefit from and and work with all all of the students, faculty, and and as you mentioned, the 500,000 living Berkeley alums around the world who who are excited about what we do. That's great. So no, there's no question that you know being in the part of the world that you're in, technology is an important part. And I'm you know very impressed. I look at a lot of your faculty who are you know in technical fields that are starting companies. You've got a special program for semiconductor manufacturing, a special program for biotech. And and many of the companies that I've read about certainly are very tech-based. But, you know, one of my own observations over 20 years as a professor of entrepreneurship is just how socially conscious this new generation of entrepreneurs is. And when I was running, you know, these new venture classes, let's say 15 years ago, social impact was not necessarily something that came up very very often. But today I would say... You know, it comes up the majority of the time, even without me in any way trying to encourage it. It's just an inherently important part of the value system of some of the younger generation today. Can you talk a little bit about that? Are you seeing some of that in your program? And is is there, um, you know, is there some effect in terms of how you consider a company which might be more of a triple bottom line company or, you know, not just pursuing you know, growth and, and, and all the things that one has typically associated with Silicon Valley companies? Mm-hmm. So we're seeing more applications from startups that are aiming to bring uh, 
a venture scale uh, business. So in other words, something that investors want to invest in because they're going to make lots of money that have a, a social environmental benefit. Yeah. Uh, th- this attempt to you know find a way to solve our big problems um, through climate, through energy, through social, through um, access to to financial capital, you know, all the things, the myriad problems that we as as a world face, I find entrepreneurs are trying to figure out a way. How can I solve this problem in a way that a Sequoia Capital or or any of the top tier investors in Silicon Valley want to invest in so that it goes very, very quickly and, and can get out in the world. And so it's been really, really exciting to see all this creative energy try to do that. There's now uh, kind of a blurring between a an enterprise and a social enterprise. You know, there used yep. to be sort of this hard line between I'm a, I'm a social impact investor, I'm not a social impact investor. And now we're seeing sort of blurred lines, uh, which which I find really interesting. And as part of Berkeley, as you can imagine, the values that we have here are so foundational here about diversity and inclusion, about impact, about social benefit, about uh, you name it, technology or discovery. What is the social benefit? What is the social impact on that? Yeah. is something that we deeply think about. So the discussions around artificial intelligence, is it is it going to be used for good or ill? Um, and it can obviously be used for both. Um, those discussions are happening everywhere on campus, and not just faculty and students and professors, but our whole ecosystem. And so I think that many of the great new companies that come out of here will be built from the ground up with these with this awareness of what is the impact of the technology on building, which honestly, you know, 10 years ago in Silicon Valley was not much thought about. That's right. Uh, People took it for granted that it was going to be positive. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. So on the lines of inclusiveness then, Carolyn, the, you know, you are not just a a Bay Area accelerator. You, You are truly thinking globally and, when a couple of my former students reached out to me recently to join them as an advisor, you know, when I asked them, you know, what was their, what connection was there? And what they said was, you know, you guys are, and, and there's this very comprehensive list on your website, you know, you are seeking out really interesting companies from accelerators and incubators all around the world and that mm-hmm. they were encouraged to apply. And so mm-hmm. they, they think incredibly highly, right? They're still matriculating in the program today. It's, it's winding down for them in a few months. But can you talk about when, when did that mindset sort of kick in where you were going to be truly global and you're not just letting sort of entrepreneurs come to you, but you might actually reach out to the rest of the world and, and say, we want you to come to the Sky Deck and help grow your business. We want to help you grow your business from Berkeley. When did that all start to take place? So we we were thinking about for a long time, you know, if we're going to be a, a a big program and we have the capacity to do that, um, how and where do we expand and, and to whom while we maintain our Berkeley identity and continue to serve the UC Berkeley mission? So that was very, very critical that we, we thought a lot about, you know, who do we open up to without losing 
sight of, of the fact that we are a Berkeley program that first and foremost serves Berkeley. And so we realized that we had the capacity to take um, more startups than were coming out of campus every six months. Um, we had the capacity. And so we thought, well, who do we open up to? And we realized that Berkeley finds talent from around the world for students and faculty. And so it made sense for us to look around the world for startups who wanted to come and join the Berkeley community and 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 bring their talent and, and their ideas and their discoveries. But what we made sure that we we did and we and we we still do is to look for startups who aren't just coming here to have a nice office with a view of the Golden Gate Bridge and a and a and a nice check for a hundred thousand dollars, but a startup that says, I specifically want to come to Berkeley to look for a co-founder, to look for a faculty advisor, um, to to hire interns and hire engineers, maybe uh, rent space in the labs here. Someone who, some companies who particularly wanted to do that, so that they're not just coming to the program, but they're joining the Berkeley community and becoming part of our mission to serve Berkeley through globally finding and nurturing great talent. And so that's why we opened up the startups outside the U.S. Okay. We also, as a UC Berkeley uh, campus, we realized that it made sense to open to our sister campuses as well. So we also opened up to startups that are coming from any of the 10 U University of California campuses. But first and foremost, we look at startup applications from Berkeley founders. Yep. So first and foremost, from stu current students and faculty, always receive priority in terms of evaluations and, and access to our resources, then Berkeley alumni, and then, of course, the rest uh, that, that I mentioned. And so we find that we're, we're a large enough program that we're able to serve all those communities very successfully. That's great. Yeah, and I love I love the clarity of that. So, Caroline, a couple of questions to just wrap this up, and this has been a really great discussion. I really appreciate uh, the time that you've shared with us today. So, of course, you know, seed stage investing is a high risk game, um, and and although you've had a number of exits so far, um, you know, at the end of the day, oftentimes the gestation periods can be fairly long. So, when I think about the different measures of success that your board would expect from you as the executive director and from the Skydeck team, right? I, certainly exits at some point, I'm sure will become a very important part of it, but how do they think about measuring success today? What, what are some of the key pieces of the scorecard that you're really paying attention to? So some of them are, are qualitative and some of them are quantitative and the qualitative are actually the most important. So, are we providing a exciting and interesting and innovative experience for Berkeley students and faculty in the community? That's that's the number one metric um, that that we look for. Are we giving opportunities for a researcher in a lab who just discovered a, a, a brilliant new way to coat batteries? Um, that's that's one of the startups here, right? Um, a faculty member who uh, has developed something that can significantly reduce the amount of waste and pollution that comes from natural gas processing. That's another one of the startups in our, in our, in our program right now. And so giving the students and faculty the chance to bring their great discoveries and their exciting inventions to market and have a real life entrepreneur experience, you know, not 
not sort of take some classes and, you know, watch some videos, but really do it, you know, come to this accelerator, meet investors, meet customers. That's our number one goal and mission. Of course, as part of that, part of that, you know, focusing on that great experience, we will bring in revenues to campus through the fund returns. Um, we will bring in new partners, the corporate partners that come to Skydeck and help fund our program. Um, we'll bring talent from around the world to come and, and join our quest here at Berkeley to solve the world's biggest problems. Yeah. So all of all, some of those can be quantified, of course, but mainly our number one goal is to make UC Berkeley's mission to discover and invent things that will really change the world and benefit the world. That's our number one goal. That's great. And it's a big flywheel that you're building there, right? Just virtuous mm -hmm. cycle that just continues to accelerate higher and higher. So what right. would you say you are most proud of in, in your five years of, of leading this very unique public university affiliated, you know, startup accelerator and incubator? I'm most proud of the number of times that I've seen a founder blossom through our program. Mm -hmm. That is the thing that gives me the most satisfaction is when I see a founder come to Skydeck, maybe a little unsure of, of what they can do. Can I do this? Can I really be a startup founder? I don't know about this. And then go through the program and say, you know what? I can do this. I can bring my vision for my company to the world and make it work. And that's the most satisfying thing to me. That is great. So what can we expect now? You, you guys have grown rapidly. You've added a lot of very powerful and unique elements to this program. Any previews for us in terms of what might be next on the horizon that we might expect to, to see coming out of Berkeley? Sure. So a couple of things are happening on campus that are really exciting and will, will help us grow even more. Um, one is that we have a new chief innovation and entrepreneurship officer who uh, this is a brand new position. Again, one that I don't think very many universities have this. Um, it's our former Dean of the Haas school who was, who was on the founding board of Skydeck. Yes. His name is Rich Lyons and he's going to be championing uh, and, and helping promote and, and coordinate and do all great things for all of the things that are going on campus of, of which Skydeck is one. Um, so that's exciting that the campus is kind of recognizing all of the great entrepreneurship efforts and kind of helping us to go all go to the next level. Specifically, we also have in terms of, of a brand new facility, which is very exciting, the Baker Bioingenuity Hub. Okay. That's a, a brand new center that's, that's in construction. Uh, and when that opens, that, that's going to be just a few blocks away right next to campus. That's going to be a huge center with biotech, bioengineering, uh, data science, all combined under one roof for exploration, discovery, incubation, lab space for our biotech startups who are always very, very hungry for those lab space, uh, lab space for, for biotech companies. So that's, that's going to be opening up in about two years. And that will, that will move our biotech program forward even faster than it is. And that's been a very great growing part of what we do. Wow. And then we're looking at, as we have a successful fund one, we're sort of in the middle of, of Skydeck fund one. Uh, we look forward to raising 
a fund two, a fund three, and as yep. venture capital goes, you, you keep raising funds until you have such a large amount of assets under management that those returns that we're really excited to see will start coming to Berkeley and we'll start seeing those monies come in and we'll see them flow into education programs to hire faculty, scholarships for students or whatever it is that the campus determines is, is the best use yeah. of, of that funding. I think it's a remarkable, right? I mean, public education is such a critical part of, you know, this country. And so many states have been under austerity programs where they have been cutting. And it's what a powerful role model that you have become for public research universities across the United States to really change the way they think about funding their futures. And this sounds to me like just a, a perfectly right on target, timely approach to this. So I'm very inspired, Caroline, but by what you and the team have done there. Um, I've heard great things. My students rave about the program. What I hear from them is, you know, anybody that they need to meet, you, you're able to get them to meet that person. Any advisor they want, you're able to help them be advised by that person. So I congratulate you and the team on everything you've done. And I look forward to following very closely you know, where you'll take it from here. And if you're so kind, I'd love to just post in the episode notes that article you referred to at the beginning of our, ex, uh, of our discussion about some of the learnings that you've, that you've been able to leverage as a, as a musician um, and, and the relevance in terms of, you know, how you think about entrepreneurship. Sure. Please do post that. And I hope that somewhere somebody reads that and says, despite the fact that I'm a fill in the blank you know, non-technical, don't, you know, no, don't have a degree in computer science, et cetera. Despite the fact that I'm a whatever, I can be a startup founder too. Absolutely. So yes, please do share that. Will do. And I hope to see you at Demo Day this year. You have a great rest of the day and such a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you again. Thank you. It's been my pleasure speaking with you. All right, so it's my pleasure to welcome a talented young entrepreneur, Ha Young Park. Ha Young Park and I met through Babson College, the leading undergrad institution for entrepreneurship in the United States, and through the E-Tower, where he's been a resident and I've been an advisory board member. So Ha Young, welcome to the studio, and thanks so much for taking a few minutes to, to spend with us today. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So if you can, just quickly, your background, right? You, just where you were born and, and, and how you ultimately wound up here in Boston. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in South Korea in the heart of Seoul, and I immigrated to Maryland when I was nine. Um, grew up there, and starting off right off the bat, the first thing I started selling was Legos from Korea, because there were different Legos that were produced in Korea as, as here. I'd come to school, sell the Legos, and then slowly started transitioning to selling sneakers. Um, borrowed fifty dollars from my mom, and then started reselling sneakers. Got from one pair to three hundred pairs, and then got into wholesaling vineyard vines in Patagonia. And started trading stocks, and that was my entry into business, I guess. Wow! So this has been with you since you were literally preteen. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> and was there an example in the household that inspired this, or was this just something coming from right inside of you? Um, my dad's an entrepreneur. He's a dental technician. He runs his own lab, and he does that. Does his does his own thing, but. Even from a young age, I, I loved selling more than anything. I I'd, would rather make my own money than be given money, which is funny. But that's great. I love it. So now here you are. You're you're absolutely dyed in the wool entrepreneur, and now you want to go and study entrepreneurship. So obviously you have many choices. 
And of course, Babson's always the top rank, but there are many choices out there. Uh, what was it that ultimately led you to Babson? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing about Babson that I absolutely love is the sense of community and the sense of family that exists on campus. So it, it's it's not a you against me. It's more of a let's win together. Let's make each other look good and help each other as much as possible. That really drew me to Babson. And especially within Babson is, is the community of entrepreneurs called E-Tower. Um, it's a community of 21 entrepreneurs living together. Everyone's working on something from all the way from ideation to people that have been on Shark Tank, people that are raising very, very large rounds and people that are executing with products out on the market. And we live, breathe, eat, sleep entrepreneurship always. We, it's all we talk about. We'll wake up, we'll check Twitter, we'll check the news, we'll see who raised which round, what, what startup launched where, what's doing well on product tents and, and so on. And that environment really lets you accelerate and, and build and have that sense of security and that sense of community to to get through the hardships of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I have to second that. I, I think you can't help but feel it. Um, it's like, you know, some people are just nuts about sports and they're just following professional sports scores all day. You guys are, you know, following Crunchbase and, <laughs> and you know, what's happening on, because it is, a, it's a, it's a parallel universe and it's a very exciting one. Right. And also one, the gender diversity, the racial diversity, the ethnic diversity within E-Tower, remarkable. But, but in general, so many of this, the young students in the program are like you, incredibly positive and just sure as hell they want to be entrepreneurs, right? There's just no doubt in their Absolutely. mind. So I can tell you that I, I first came to know the E-Tower when I was looking to get a three-campus hackathon going. Uh, with Olin and with Wellesley. And, you know, as soon as I was introduced to Samuk and Chris and some of the guys, it was obvious in a second that these are guys that get shit done. I don't know how else to describe it. And I knew at that moment the hackathon was going to happen. So it's just a can-do mentality, right? And you're right, it comes from reinforcing, uh, you know, and inspiring one another, right? So now you're, you're on a sabbatical. Yep. And so tell uh, tell us about this really cool company you're working on and, and why you've decided to take a little time away from campus. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm building a company called Hype, H-Y-P. It's my name, Hi Young Park. And Hype is a bidding platform for exclusive releases. So we partner with different brands to launch products that are only available through our platform once. And then we let the market dictate true value at the first point of sale. So for example, if Chanel wants to do a 50 pair sneaker release, they come to us. We list it. Everyone from all over the world bids and the top 50 highest bidders each get to buy one pair at their highest bid. But during the auction, we only show the highest dollar bid and a username. That username is linked to your Instagram account. So it's one, inarguable legitimacy. And two, you're comp competing against and flexing in front of the entire world, in front of celebrities, athletes, superstars in every category from fashion, art, experiences, vehicles, consumables, cosmetics, architecture, and everything in between that we see as vehicles of culture and status. That's great. And what was it with all of the, you know, the, the energy you have, what was it that led you to pursue this type of venture at this time? Yeah, absolutely. So ever since I was 12, when I started collecting sneakers, I, I wanted to be Kanye. Everything Kanye touched turned into gold and everything that he did was seen on a pedestal. And I was like, wow, that's, that's influence, you know? And if we can dictate and curate so much culture into one central platform, and then we're able to guide culture, then we can replicate the Kanye effect. Cool. So what's the big vision now? If, if all goes well, right, and you're now really, you know, full, full steam ahead, mm -hmm. full time on this, what's the big vision? Where do you want to go? 
Um, I want to do as many launches as possible with all of my favorite ex- exclusive brands. Um, we've started some early conversations with them now as well. Uh, the bigger plan is to get acquired by a big company like LVMH or Sotheby's or Christie's and have access to unlimited resources and be able to be the catalyst for the old traditional houses. What have you learned along? So here you are, you're, you know, you're selling sneakers and Legos and, and now you're studying entrepreneurship in a more formal way, right? Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine how much you've learned along the way. What are some of the key takeaways that you think you've picked up while you've been on campus at, at Babson, you know, not just going to class, of course, mm-hmm. but, you know, working with the E-Tower guy shoulder to shoulder and more importantly, starting your own business. Yeah, the, the most important thing is to execute and operate. And you won't know the outcome of something until you actually do it. And it's better to regret the decision that, that you've made because now you know what to do or, or what not to do. I think both are equally as good. Right. And there's And there's huge merit and big value in just being there and showing up. I think a lot of my meetings, some of the angel investors that I've met and some of the meetings that I've gotten with brands have just been saying, okay, hey, I'm in Boston now. My meeting's in New York tomorrow morning. Let's take the latest bus out tonight. That's great. I love it. And then my last question for you is, as as a young role model to aspiring entrepreneurs, maybe that nine-year-old boy that's, uh, (laughs) you know, selling Legos right now uh, or sneakers, what, what advice would you give to young men and women who want to be entrepreneurs and, you know, can't imagine doing anything but what, what would be some of the key things you'd want them to know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the biggest thing is just do it. You can't learn to swim without getting in the pool. You can read about it all you want, but until you take that first dive, you're not going to know how to swim. Awesome. And so a shout out to our joint friends at the E-Tower. Um, but uh, this is Mike Grandendi with Haiyung Park from Babson Entrepreneurship Tower and from HYP uh, signing off for now. Thanks for listening.